Oh, somebody left me a sun drop up here. Man, that's nice. I appreciate it. That's all right. No, it may not be there. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's, that's a leftover from the 80s party right there. I was looking to see if there was a tab under here. Some of you remember the tab drink. Some of you young people are like, huh? Anyway, those were gross, by the way, the tab drinks. <laughs> really? Anyway. Uh, if you got your Bibles this morning, let's go to Colossians. We're back in Colossians, and uh, as I look out, it's good to see some folks that I hadn't seen in a while. Good to have y'all with us, and uh, man, it's good stuff. Um, it's funny because in, in the back, I'm watching on my live stream as I'm in my office preparing before I come out, and, and you back row Baptists, y'all smart, y'all hide, out, y'all hide away from the camera. I'm a, I'm like looking, I'm like, man, there ain't nobody here today. That's where they're at, back two rows. I see how it works, but that's all right. I, you look, y'all got faces for TV. I have a face for radio, okay? So, <laughs> but anyways, glad y'all are here with us today. We are studying in the book of Colossians, and um, make sure my clicker's working this morning. Uh, it's not. But anyways, um, I need to clarify from last week. Because my wife, I love my wife, she's, she's great about, you know, I sound things out when I'm leaving, like, you know, honey, give me some feedback, blah, blah, blah. She said, well, there was something, you know, you said last week that, that in the context didn't really come across right. Oh, what was it? And so she's right. Let me clarify, clarifying statement. You, you know, last week we're talking about sin and, and, and how uh, we need to kill sin dead. I mean, that's the exact phrase here in this passage that we're looking at last week that it actually says, you know, kill it. You know, you got to get rid of it. You got to kill it. And uh, I was trying to give you an illustration of speaking the truth in love. All right? That was what I was thinking, but I guess it was in the, in the context of sin. And I, I told you about the guy that I went to college with that had the bad breath. And, and I told him he had bad... Had anybody ever told you, you know, that, that your breath is really bad? Have you considered going to a dentist, get this looked at, you know, kind of... And I, and I really was trying to be a helpful friend. I wasn't trying to hurt him. I was just being a helpful friend. Let me just clarify. Bad breath is not a sin, okay? <laughs> if it were, we would all be in danger of hellfire. <laughs> so, yeah, bad breath is not a sin. But I thought about that after my wife told me that, and I thought about it, I said, but you know... You know, if it were, a mint would still cure it. The Old Testament or the New Testament. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, man, I know, it's terrible, isn't it? But we are talking about uh, Colossians, and we are talking about sin. In all seriousness, it is that. It is a serious thing, guys, that even as believers, we're not free from the bondage of sin in the sense of the world still wants to keep those chains wrapped around us. But they're broke because we have been set free from the bondage of sin, ultimately in Christ. And even though we're, we're not yet there in the sense of we've not arrived, right, um, But God has given us everything we need to live in the victory. And so it's important as we go through Colossians, as we consider this, Paul is making the argument, he says, look, let Christ have preeminence in your life. Let Him be front and center in everything you do. Because you're still going to battle. 
There's still going to be people who, who are going to be trying to tear you down. There's still going to be circumstances that are going to plague you in this life. And there's still going to be the old man that's going to want to rear his ugly head. And so Paul is getting into this practical side here in Colossians to try and tell these folks at Colossae that are dealing with all sorts of heretical teaching trying to creep into the church, all these philosophies and things that are going on in the society and culture around them, which again is really not much different than what we're facing today with the same pull, with the same influence of, of the culture around us. And so Paul's addressing these things. And, and so he gets into this section in, in chapter 3. And so um, Colossians 3, 5 through 11, NASB up on the screen. He says, therefore, which by the way, let me, let me back up, because and I'm going to read this in the <laughs> New King James. Um, but at the very beginning he says, if then you were raised with Christ, if then you were raised with Christ. So if you're a believer, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Notice the first thing he told us to do was to, again, put your eyes on Christ. Christ needs to have preeminence. You want to know how to fight your battle? You want to know how to overcome what you're dealing with? It starts by seeking first Christ, period. It begins with God. Let it start with Him. And then he goes on and he says, um, set, no, no, look in, in verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. You want to know where the battlefield is? It's right here. Your mind is the devil's play field. It's this, it, that's where he wants to attack. And the only way you and I overcome and walk victorious is, is when we bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It starts with Christ, it ends with Christ. And presently speaking, that's where our meditation must remain. If I'm going to try and navigate the pitfalls of this world, if I want to seek to cast off, as we're going to see here, the, the, the things that want to trip me up in my walk, I've got to set my mind on the things of Christ not on the things of this earth. And so that's what he goes on and says. And Paul says, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore, consider the members, your earthly body as dead to immorality, Impurity, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them, what? In those things we just listed. Remember we said that those things were, were uh, deviant sins. Sexual in nature, if you look at that list. And in them you also, you also once walked. We, we've walked in those. We, we know what those roads are like, those things. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. Guys, it's not to say we're not going to sin. It's not, it's not to say we're not going to stumble. My question is, are we practicing it? Are you living in it? 
Ask yourself this question right now. Look at that list that he's just named and ask yourself, am I living, am I currently living in any of these circumstances? We're not to be. Because we're dead with Christ and we're raised with Christ. And as a believer, we're raised to walk in newness of life. But now you also put them all aside. And now he goes into some other lists, and we'll, we'll look at this in just a second. But he says, but now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. A renewal in which... Uh, skip something there. Yeah, do not lie to one another. Do not lie to one another. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Again, there's that current, continual. Is this a practice? Are you, are you constantly an angry person? Do you, do you deal with oftentimes uh, anger and malice and bitterness and, and lying and, you know? He says, lay that old self aside with its evil practices. And, and you've put on the new self who's being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Father, I pray this morning for your Holy Spirit's power, for the power of your word, that it'll go out unhindered, Remove all distractions from our mind, from our heart. Lord, that we might hear from you, that we might be convicted, and Lord, that we might lay aside the sins that trip us. And Lord, let us be renewed by your grace in the knowledge of Christ that will put on the new man, and walk in the light. Lord, we pray this morning again, thankful that Brittany, Micah, and Olivia were kept safe in the accident. And Lord, I just ask that you'll minister your grace to them at this time and be with us as we continue in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> it's a renewal in which there's no distinction between Greek Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, freeman, but Christ is all and in all. And again, Paul is making this case to the Colossian believer because there's all this pressure from the outside saying you need to, you need to conform. You need to conform. You need to be like this. You need to do this. Oh, yes, Jesus is fine, but... You need to come through the, the door of Judaism first. Get circumcised. It's kind of like a, a hallway. If you would imagine this hallway, it comes and precedes this sanctuary. Those Judaizers of that area of Colossae would say, oh, you gotta, you got to come through the hallway of Judaism before you get to Christ. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Christ is sufficient. It's not Jesus plus anything. And so those who would encourage asceticism, those who would 
say, hey, angel worship, and, and those who would say mysticism and, and, and philosophy and all these things that were competing for the Colossae's heart and mind, Paul is addressing. He's saying, no, let Christ have preeminence, for He alone is worthy. And so now he's telling them these practical things. And so we talked about last week, put to death. He says, put to death those things. And that was in verses 5 through 7. And again, we just read through those. But by way of that list, again, these were the deviant sins. These were the sexual ones in nature. And he says, put to death those sins, those sexual immorality sins, the impurity, the lust, the evil desires, the greed... Because he said those were idolatry. And think about it. What God, because idolatry is putting, a, a, you know, worshiping something other than God. Who's, who's at the center of that worship? Who's getting preeminence when you're fulfilling immorality, impurity, lust, greed? Self. That's who's on the throne. Self. And this is our problem, guys. This is our problem in life. This is why you and I don't live victorious lives. It's because by nature we're selfish people. We want it our way. Burger King didn't come up with that slogan. Satan did. Right? Oh, God didn't really mean. When your eyes are open, you'll be like God. You'll, you'll. And we've always desired that position. We want to be the master of our own ship. You're not going to tell me how to live. Religion's oppressive. I'm a free man. There's a lie. You're not free from sin. The old nature's alive and that's all we know to do is when we come out of the womb Headed to the tomb. Because our nature, our natural nature, our idemic nature, we inherited from Adam, reigns in our life. And so that's why we choose darkness over light. That's why when temptation knocks at our door, my heart is prone to go that way. Not the ways of God. In fact, I can't even know the ways of God because the Bible says you and I are spiritually dead. We are dead. Dead men do nothing. They're dead. And unless the Spirit of God awaken us, we won't see how God sees. We won't have the mind of Christ in us. We won't know how to navigate this world. That's why the Word of God is so powerful. This is why it's so important for you and I to know the Word of God, to understand the Word of God. Because we develop that worldview on how to live our life and we actually begin to experience real life, abundant living. It's not about religion. It is about a relationship. And in that relationship, I find joy. I find hope. I find completeness. And apart from that is death, destruction doom. Oh, there's pleasure in sin for a season. God says that. And so if you're in a season where you're feeling like, hey, you know what? It's all right. It's okay. Just know that charge account is building up. 
And if you don't know Christ, there's coming a payday. And that's what Paul had said. He said, guys, it's because of these things that the wrath of God is coming. But even as believers, even as we come to the cross of Calvary and we confess our sin and we call upon the name of Christ to save us, to redeem us, and we're made alive, we're quickened by the Holy Spirit, now there's almost a reversal. Now we recognize that I'm dead in the sense of the Adam, the old nature. That's been crucified. That's what, cross, that's what Christ nailed to the cross. My sins, your sins. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. And so He took those sins upon Himself at the cross of Calvary. The old man, the dead, he's dead. Adam, that in the second Adam, I'm renewed. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection gives me hope. It gives me a new life. And so now my identity no longer has to be in the first Adam. It's in the second Adam. It's in Christ Jesus. Because through repentance and faith, Christ gives us a new nature. And so therefore I need to seek those things which are above. Because for the first time in my life, I am free. I'm free from the bondage of sin. I'm free to pursue Christ because now I'm made alive. My eyes are open. I see for the first time what it's really all about. And it's not about me. It's about Him, His glory, which is always for my good. And so Paul has told us here in the previous passages... And so we recognize that because of who we are in Christ, because of His death, burial, and resurrection, we have a new nature, we have a new identity. And so he said, put to death those deviant sins. He said the Christian's being called to make a decision of the will here. We see clearly in this text, man's responsibility, but it's dependent upon Christ's power. That's God's sovereignty. You're not going to rid yourself of these sins in your own strength and your own power. The only way you and I can be made clean is through the power of Christ. The only way you and I can continue to walk in this life free from those sins that trip us is through the power of Christ. If anyone sins, let him confess his sin. God's faithful. He will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's dependent upon Christ's power. And so then, we must lay hold of our position because where's our position? He says, we're seated, we're, we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. That's where we are positionally. At the right hand of the Father. Because Christ represents me, not the old Adam. Our practice, therefore, is to match our position. We don't talk about this a lot anymore in our churches. Yeah, we're all about grace. We're all about the forgiveness side of things. But where's the pursuit of holy living? You know, there's many passages in the New Testament that reference the idea of of in repentance, we're turning from that old man. We're turning from those old things we used to do. We're turning from those old ways to pursue a new way, to actively pursue, to walk in light, to go after, to run the race. That's a continual practice. That's our sanctification that's being worked in us and through us by the power of God to renew us 
to grow us, to mature us. And so we should desire this pursuit. We should feed this new nature. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about, look, don't, don't be, as we learned in our quiet times this morning in Galatians, how is it that you started with grace and now you're going to turn back to these old ways, these old things? And so we come to today the need to put off the old man. And so that's what I want us to focus on in our remaining time, to put off the old man. You'll notice here in verses 8 through 11 in your text, he says, But now you yourselves are to put off all these. And so he's going to give us another list here. So if you're taking notes, you want to note this list here. And in this list of putting off the old man, these are divisive sins. Okay, the first group was deviant sins. These are divisive sins. And they're selfish in nature as well. But I want us to look at these one at a time and think about these things as we listen to Paul's writing. There's a command, verse 8. You'll notice... He says, but now you yourselves are to put off... Let's stop there. This is really a command. It means rid yourself. Put away. Put off. The thought is that of changing clothes. It's divesting oneself of sin, just as one might strip off a filthy garment. Now, I set out a shirt today. I was going to bring it. And I had it sitting there, and I went off and left it. Go figure. I never forget things. What was I going to say? <laughs> the shirt, and I, it's a true story, this shirt is my favorite shirt. Man, I love wearing this shirt. My wife loves this shirt on me. My family, they call it the Clark Kent shirt. Okay? It, it, it's kind of, you know, it's the flannel. It's, uh, it's, but it's a cool shirt. I, I love it. It's comfortable, man. It's so comfortable. It's broken in. Guys, this is, <laughs> I probably shouldn't confess this, but I am. This shirt I got in 1996. <laughs> and I still wear, I mean, it's a, it's a nice looking shirt, but it's from 96. But you know, plaid's always in style, right? right? I can still look out here today. You guys know what I'm talking about. Y'all got the memo. Man, I should have brought that shirt this morning. But it is starting to get tattered around the, around the collar area. But it's from 1996. That's old. I got a shirt older than some of you. And I still wear it. But you know, there's some garments, sometimes, you know what, it's just time to lay it aside. You know what I mean? Guys, the Word of God tells you and me that our good deeds are like filthy rags. And if we think we're going to enter into the throne room of grace one day in the presence of God on our own, well, I didn't do this, and I wasn't as bad as that person, and I went to church. If you think you're going to get into the gates of heaven on your own merit, that's a filthy garment. But Christ compels you to come because He has for you a robe of righteousness. And He says, if you're willing to lay aside your garment 
and take by faith mine, I'll clothe you in my righteousness. And your sins will be forgiven. And though they're scarlet red, they'll be made white as snow. Guys, we have to have that garment. And the only way you and I can receive that garment is by faith. That's why God loved the world. That's why He sent His Son Jesus Christ here to pay a sin debt that you and I cannot pay. And He paid it in full. And through His shed blood, through His grace, He offers that forgiveness of those sins to you and me. And so when we come to Him, we take off that old garment of Adam and we lay it at the foot of the cross in, 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 hum, in humbleness and say, Lord, please forgive me of my sin. Clothe me in, in Your righteousness. I need Your righteousness. And by faith, we receive that garment. But in our walk of sanctification, that old man and new man still battle. And so that's why He's given us the daily bar of soap. 1 John 1, 9, to confess our sins, and He will forgive us. And so, hey, just you, you don't, you know, some of you might, but you don't typically say, well, hey, I bathed this month. I don't need to again. But yet we live our Christian life like that. Well, yeah, I got saved 30 years ago. Salvation isn't just then. Salvation is then, now and forevermore. And so our possession of salvation must be a continual action in our daily living. There's a daily need of repentance. There's a daily need of confession. There's a daily need of walking by faith. The just shall live by faith. And so don't just go to the front of your Bible and say, oh yeah, I did that then. If it's not having a present tense impact, then there needs to be some confession. There needs to be some repentance. There needs to be some renewal. There needs to be some awakening. And so Paul's saying, look, rid yourself, put away, put off that old man. And then he specifically deals with the sins of the tongue. Guys, this is a timely message for us. James says, look, no man can tame the tongue. No man. If you can tame the tongue, you're perfect. I've yet to meet anyone other than Christ who's perfect. I'd be all right if it wasn't for this tongue, you know? This tongue gets me in a lot of trouble. I've probably said four things already in this service that, I, that are probably going to get me... But, Look, the tongue, it, 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 sets a, it sets a place on fire, man. And once it's out, it's like toothpaste. You can't get it back in. Once it's been said, once it's been done, it's done. But there's also an attitude of the heart that Paul's going to focus on here. And I want us to look at this today. He starts with anger. He says you need to put off anger. Anger is a settled, seething anger against someone. It's holding a grudge. It's quietly harboring ill feelings against someone. Paul says, get rid of it. Now, I don't know your heart. I don't know who's sitting here this morning. But let me just say, if you have anger towards someone, you need to get rid of it. 
Now look, Scripture's clear. It's not, it's not a sin to be angry. There are times when anger is just. <laughs> you know, uh, you think about Christ cleansing the temple. He was angry. And that was righteous indignation. What was he upset about? He was upset about these Pharisees, these folks were making merchandise in the temple. They were doing their own thing instead of what God said. He said, my house is to be a house of prayer. But they had their own agenda. And that made Christ angry. That's righteous indignation. Can you imagine if Christ showed up at a church today and he saw some of their own agendas and he flipped over some tables and made a cord of whip and drove them out? Who would they say had the problem? They'd say Christ had the problem. There's a time for righteous anger. Now our problem is we think we know sometimes when that righteous anger is, and sometimes we may be right and sometimes we're not. Paul says, if you're angry, you need to get rid of it. Guys, I see a lot of people get hurt in church and they leave angry. And it's sad. Because anger is a prison that only you have the key to let yourself out of. Bitterness, when, it's, when it springs up, it defiles many. You know, it's, it's, it's not enough to be angry. We have to recruit people to be on our side, to be angry with us, right? I mean, that's how it works, isn't it? And that's sad. That's what the scriptures are talking about. When that seed of bitterness gets so deep down, you, just, you, want, you want people on your team, and so that, that bitterness begins to spread. And it defiles more than one. The scripture says it can defile many. And then there's rage. Rage is a fiery, passionate outburst of temper. It's a blow in the stack. It's a pop in the lid of vicious anger. And you think about this. Uh, again, kind of interesting. Um, as, you, as you look here in, in the scriptures, he says, and I'll read this in the, in the New King James. Because I have this here in front of me. He says, but, you, but now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger and wrath. Now wait a minute. This is the same word that was just used earlier in the passage of Scripture. If you look up and it says... Um, Verse 5, Therefore put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Verse 6, Because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Well, wait a minute. So God displays wrath, but God tells us not to display wrath. I mean, you could see how somebody could, could potentially... Look at that and say, well, is that a conflict? Wait, wait, this isn't. But again, guys, we know when it comes to the holiness of God, His way is pure, His way is right. Therefore, it is okay for us to be angry. It is okay for us to, to have this fiery, passionate outburst when something is unjust, like the murder of babies in the womb. That's righteous indignation. We need to be angry. When you see the abuse that happens, when you see things that take place in the world that are just plain evil, 
It's okay to be angry at that. Our problem is, in the old nature, is our anger oftentimes is not righteous. It's selfish. This person hurt me, therefore I'm mad at them, and there's no forgiveness. Paul said, put it off. Put it off. Malice. It's holding a grudge to the point where you would strike or injure the person. True story. So in my last church, there was, uh, we had a plurality of elders, and there was this man who, who served as uh, an elder in our church. And his, um, well, I won't go into a whole lot of information. But I'll say this. When I first came in to the church as a young man, I, I, I really looked at this man, and outwardly he seemed to carry himself in a very godly manner. And uh, as a young, impressionable young man, I initially I thought, wow, you know, this, this guy really um, seems to be a, a real godly man. Well, as years went by, that facade began to peel away. And it wasn't long after being there that he began writing a letter campaign against the pastor. Now, guys, you want to talk about malice? You want to talk about anger and bitterness? Instead of handling it properly and going to that pastor and sharing and, and trying to restore if he thought he was in the wrong, which in all assessment, this man was the one clearly in the wrong. This is why perception doesn't make it true. Truth makes it true. And this man began to try and destroy this man. Sending anonymous letters to the church people. That's terrible. That's terrible. And when he was finally caught on the carpet about it and brought to be held accountable through correction for the hope of restoration, well, he and his wife left. And I'll never forget, they left angry, as a lot of times happens in churches. I remember being at Walmart with my family one day, and I was walking through the aisle, and I had just stepped out into the main cart aisle. And you know how they got all the pallets of stuff down the main aisle. And I'm standing there looking at some items, and all of a sudden, somebody knocks into me pretty hard. I mean, pretty hard. And I thought, oh, I'm sorry, because that was just a natural reaction. Oh, excuse me. I was obviously in the aisle. But, oh, excuse me. When I turned to look, it was that man. And he had intentionally came and did this to me to try and knock me over. And he just kind of kept going. And I just, all I could do was kind of chuckle. But then I was really sad. Because I thought, you know what? That man's in prison, and it's at his own doing. Guys, we got to be careful. Satan loves to shoot fiery darts at us, to get us angry at someone because they, they maybe hurt us or they said something. Guys, where's the grace? Where's the forgiveness? Oh, we're good at, at oftentimes applying it to those we like, those in our circle, but let it be someone else at work. Let it be somebody else that's maybe you don't have that connection with. And it's, we're real quick to turn that, that switch. We're, we're real quick to close the door on that relationship and stew 
in our bitterness. And I know that grieves the heart of the Holy Spirit. It quenches the Spirit. This is what the Word of God teaches us. And so Paul says, put it off. Get rid of it. And the sad thing is, oftentimes it leads to slander. And slander is an anger against a brother or sister in Christ to the point of assassinating his or her character. Guys, guard your heart. And may God guard our tongue. David the psalmist said, put a, put a guard. <laughs> Basically, uh, I think the word was centra. It was a, it was a, a soldier. Put, put a soldier at my mouth, you know, to keep me from saying things to, or doing things. Our testimony is all we have as followers of Christ. And we need to be careful that we guard our heart and our tongue, that when we speak, we're not speaking evil of another. That we're not trying to tear them down. Ask yourself this often. And, and look, we, in any given situation, we can catch ourselves, right? I mean, again, this is not an easy part of the body to tame. James told us. But we need to be conscious of this. We need to bring these thoughts captive. We need to be careful. And we need to hold each other accountable. The best way to hold a slanderer accountable is when you hear something that sounds slanderous or potentially borderline slanderous, and the way you know, is it tearing down or building up? Are our words tearing down someone or are they building them up? And you can usually discern pretty quickly when you're in that circle of your friends and somebody starts to talk and, and begins to say something about someone else who's not there. Ask yourself, is this really edifying and building this person up? Or is this trying to slander and, and tarnish their character, their reputation? Guys, all we have in this world is our testimony. Revelation speaks of they overcome the dragon through the shed blood of Christ and their testimony. Our testimonies are important. And so... Our words should be used to edify one another, to build up one another, not to tear each other down. And again, this is a struggle that we all battle with. But may God give us the grace to put that off, to grow in the grace and knowledge on how to, to better share our words when it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so be mindful of that. Satan is the slanderer. And, and we're, we're like the old man when we slander. Filthy language. He says, get rid of it. It refers to having a foul mouth, accepting the accepted curse words of any society. It includes malicious speaking and telling unclean stories. Is this part of your speech? I, I once had a guy... Uh, active in the church, leadership in some roles, and I've known a couple along the way that quite honestly oftentimes use foul speech. And look, if anybody knows, it's this sailor. Y'all remember I used to sail the seas. Now, it was a cruise ship, but I can tell you those guys can cuss just as good as any Navy man probably. Well, maybe not quite as much, but that was some foul and filthy language. Y'all know my story. I've told it many times. The one time when God really gripped my heart and said, all right, give me that. Give me that tongue when it comes to that foul language. Was I was all dressed up. My new job and was doing well. I was a sales rep for a, an office supply company. No, it wasn't Dunder Mifflin. But I was out driving. 
and I was cruising down the road, and I had just stopped and got that big old big drink, you know, the size that, man, it's, it looks like something Helen brings. You know, you've seen Helen's drinks, man. They're like... And I had that drink, and I, I, was, I had just sat it down in between my legs to adjust the radio. And when I was adjusting the radio, I looked up, and the car in front of me was stopped. I slammed it on the brakes. That drink hit the steering column and went all over my shirt. And, man, I needed somebody to just filter. Beep, 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 beep. And I looked to the right, and this woman was just shaking her head. <laughs> she could read lips. <laughs> and, look, I was a young Christian. And it was in that moment that I thought, you know what? God, you're right. I, I don't, this isn't the speech that needs to be flowing from a follower of Christ. And I remember praying and asking God to help me. The only passage I really knew at that point that I was just new at hiding in my heart was that one, uh, Psalm 119. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. Thy word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so I was praying, Lord, I need some help me. I can't do this on my own. I can't. I can't get rid of this. I, I try, but then I hit my hand with a, with a hammer or I slam into, you know, I hit a car and, and it flies out. Help me. And he gave me Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is necessary. Think about it. That which is necessary that it might impart grace to the hearer. It's my words that day, were they imparting grace to the hearer? And I don't know if she could hear me. She probably could because I was pretty loud. But do your words impart grace to the hearer? Or are they tearing down? Or are they filthy? Is it dirty? Lord, help me. Help us to get rid of it. And so that's, again, a prayer that we need to cry. From the heart. These divisive sins, and they're divisive because, again, it, it, it destroys the unity of the body. When we're anger, when, we're, when we show wrath, when we have malice, bitterness, we slander, that, that separates us as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Paul knew that this was the potential going on in Colossae, and so he wants to address this. He, and he goes on and says, he says, do not lie to each other. Notice there in verse 9. He says, do not lie to one another since you've put off the old man in his deeds. This can be translated, stop lying to one another. He goes over this in that Ephesians 4 passage preceding because remember he wrote these two letters at the same time. And so it's important that we speak the truth. Stop lying to one another. Nothing unclean. This is what Revelation 21-27 says about lying. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination, there's the word practice again, practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Bible makes it clear, guys, if you have a problem a practice of lying. No liar will have their place in the kingdom of God. All liars will have their place in the lake of fire. This is scripture. This is God's language. Lying is serious. 
And we learn from the very beginning because of that old nature. Who got in the cookies? Not me. It comes natural, doesn't it? And what happens is sometimes our protective mode, our defense mode, kicks in naturally by the Adamic nature to knee-jerk life. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Hello? Yes, Mr. Varner in. Um, sorry, he's not here right now. Can I take a message? None of y'all have ever done that with a telemarketer. Hello, Mr. Varner, you got a little time right now to talk? Oh, actually, no, I, I, I don't. Um, I'm kind of in the middle of something. You know, I don't know, I don't know. I, I, but again, what does your knee-jerk lie sometimes, right? We need to be careful of our practices. We need to put it off. We need to get rid of it. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Isn't it interesting how... The scriptures continually bring us back to the importance of how speech is divisive against unity. And we better be on guard, guys, because every now and then there are pockets that tend to want to pop up in churches, not just community, but in various churches around the globe because the Adamic nature... Satan seeks to cause division. And our answer is not in responding in our own strength. It's by yielding to the power of Christ within us. The old self. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices, the reasons Christians are to stop lying is that, all, that at conversion they took off the old self, the old man, and they put on the new man. Have you put on the new man this morning? You, you're here this morning, you say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Well, then why are you practicing the old man things? This is the question we got to ask ourselves. Are you this morning actively living in the old man ways? Because if you are, it's time to take him to the cross. It's time to die to that self. But I can't. I've tried. I've tried to, and, and I clean up for a few months, and then I go back into this thing, and, and I clean up, and I go back into this thing. It's because we're trying it in our own strength. Christ cannot lie to you. And when He says, My grace is sufficient, my power is made strong in your weakness, we've got to depend upon His ability and His power to deliver us from the sins that are so easily tripping us. And that takes faith. And that takes killing sin. That takes putting off that garment. Not keep picking it up and putting it back on because it's comfortable. It fits well. I'm at home here. I've been crucified with Christ. 
It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the power of Christ. The new self. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. You see, I think part of our problem is our battle. We don't feed the new nature. We don't renew ourselves. We don't let the word of God get into us to transform us. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beg you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, when you know what God's done for you to deliver you not only from the death and penalty of sin, but from the very power of sin actively now in your life, He's given you that power to be delivered actively in the present tense. And then one day in the future tense to be removed completely completely from the presence of sin? Christ has given us this. Therefore, I beg you by the mercies of God that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. Holy! Right? Acceptable. You might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Not being conformed to the world. That's the old man. Don't be conformed to the world. That's the old garment. But be renewed through the washing of the water of the word. Be transformed. Be transformed. Be renewed. This is, these are the phrases that the scriptures give us over and over again. And so, guys, if you're struggling in sin, be renewed. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Our problem is we don't believe him. Paul closes this section in verse 10. He says, here there's no Greek, there's no Jew, there's no circumcised, there's no uncircumcised, there's no barbarian, there's no Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. Guys, this is an awesome little closing here. He, here's his point, because he's just given this idea of garments. He's talked about putting off the old garment, putting on the new garment. In this time in which this is written, society was often judged by the garments they wore. Well, we're not much different. You, you know, we see the name brand stuff. We know the guys that got shirts from 96. I mean, you know, we know who's the fashion gurus and who's not. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I shop at Walmart. You've seen my pictures online. Anyway, maybe not. Um, but the point is, guys, in that society, you could look and, and, and a slave was identifiable. Oh, the Pharisees, well, they've got it together. They're blessed of God. Look at the robes and flowing and the garments. Man, they have got God's favor. And so whether they were Greek, whether they were Jew, whether they, those outward garments or the religious affiliations, circumcised or uncircumcised, whether they were barbarian or, or scavian, slave or free. Again, it was distinct and that was often a badge of honor or dishonor in that society. Paul's saying, look, forget it. You've put on the new man. you got a new robe. You're not identified with that religious group anymore. You're not identified with slave or free. You're not identified with the old man. You're identified with a new man. You're a new creation in Christ. Wear him. Put him on. Let others see him. And let them, let them see him in you. Let them see the good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the garment, Christian, you and I are to be wearing. And that means to tame the tongue by the grace of God. To bring every thought captive to the, uh, to, to the obedience of Christ. This is our calling as followers of Christ. 
for the sake of unity. I know the ladies had an awesome ministry the other night. I heard great things from it, from, from my four ladies that went and others. And one of the things Rhonda and I talked about, and I appreciate Rhonda and her heart for this ministry, and she's going to be a great leader in leading you ladies. One of the things we talked about is the importance of unity in community. I cannot emphasize that enough. We have a real enemy, and I promise you, he's not you and he's not me. We're brothers and we're sisters. This is our family. We protect our family. And sometimes family hurts us, right? But we don't typically, on the first hurt, pack our bags and leave. When you love family, you fight for them. Even when they wrong you. And so, as this new ladies' ministry starts, as this new men's ministry starts, awesome start to the men's ministry last week, guys, God is doing some new things here. And so, promise you, promise you, Satan will attack. Put on the whole armor of God. Remember these things Paul is teaching us so that we run our race well. Here's the conclusion. Stories told of a British pastor who shared this, Alexander McLaren. And in the story, it's told that there was a machinist who was at work one day In the midst of his work, he was running a machine, and his hand got jerked into the machine. Now, if any of you worked with heavy industrial machinery, you can relate to this potential danger. And as his hand was being pulled into the machine, he knew immediately his whole body was going to get pulled into the machine, and he would have been ground sausage. And immediately there to the right of the machine was a fire axe. He grabbed the axe and to save his own life, he cut his hand at the wrist and freed himself from the machine. Now that's a drastic measure. But guys, this is exactly what God had in mind in this passage when he says, when it comes to sin, kill it. When it comes to Christ's words, he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Now, he's not saying literally pluck your eye out. Don't anybody go home today and get your spoon. Oops, sorry about that. But he's making the emphasis of how vital, how important this is. Tear it out, throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. What is your struggle? Kill it. Put it off. You won't do it on your own. But you cry out for Christ to give you the wisdom. You cry out for the Lord to deliver you. He will. His grace is sufficient. Take Him at His word. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one of your members 
than your whole body to go into hell. And guys, from a pastoral standpoint, I'll say this. By God's grace and His wisdom, I always hope to protect this body and its individual members. And we've had to do it in the past, and it's sad when those times come, but sometimes there comes the time to cut somebody off. But if it's for the sake of the whole, if it's to prevent a little leaven from getting in and leavening the whole batch, if it's to separate out those who sometimes will go out from us because they were not one of us, may God give us the wisdom and grace to discern that. But let it come at the end of much travailing of restoration and hope and pleading and praying. I was hoping... uh, my man Kendall would have been here today. Kendall Riker does some restoration. He's got some good projects he's always working on. I've been out to his shop, man. He's got some awesome cars. He's, he he you know, revitalizes. So I wanted to ask him, and I probably will after this, but my understanding is that rust that you see in this picture, that's like the old man, all right? You don't come in and just paint over that, right? Now, Mako might, but, you know, you're not supposed to do that. No offense if any of y'all work for Mako. Now, what do you got to do first? Yeah, you got to get that rust out, right? You got to sand that out. You got to try and pull it. You got to get that out. I think oftentimes as Christians, we just try to cover over. Yeah, our sins are forgiven. Yeah, we know there's some rust there, but hey, I'm saved. And we just try to paint on a fresh coat of paint. That does no good, guys. Eventually, that rust is going to eat through and it's going to destroy that body. No, we got to we got to get rid of that rust. And Christ is able to do that in you and through you. And brother, let me tell you, that's a new man. It's true before and after. That's a sweet ride, ain't it? Now that's not Kendall's. At least I don't think it is. But anyway. Guys, do you realize that's what Christ has given us at the cross? He's rid you of your your sins. Why not take them to Him today? They were sufficient when you called on Him to save you. You trust Him for eternity. You trust Him to save you from hellfire, but you don't trust Him to take care of that addiction. You don't trust Him to take care of your marriage. You don't trust Him to take care of this sin that's tripping you up. Why? If you can trust Him to deliver you when you enter into death, the grave, the unknown, to carry you to the other side, forever eternal secure, why not walk by faith today and trust Him for what you're battling? But I don't want to give this up. Yeah, I know you like that shirt, don't you? Sometimes, guys, to quote a Disney movie, you got to let it go. I ain't going to sing it, Zach, don't you or Seth either. Sin brings death, but Jesus brings life. Amen? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, All things are becoming new. Let the sanctifying work take place in your heart and life. I'm telling you guys, there's abundant living when we follow Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this series in Colossians. And Lord, it's it's timely. Oh, my soul. Lord, I recognize even as I study this myself, thank you for the conviction in my own life. Thank you for the need to, again, daily visit these areas Lord protect us at community 
by your sovereign grace, by your hand. Just like we're reminded this morning, things can come out of nowhere, boom, hit us. And, and yet, Lord, your protective hand in this case was there. and I'm grateful for that. But Lord, I recognize in a church life the same thing can happen. And sometimes we're not ready. Sometimes uh, we don't have on that whole armor of God and it catches us off guard. And, and then, Lord, sometimes we're that offender and sometimes we inflict the wound. And yet, Lord, as we're going to see as we continue in this passage, the importance within the family of God for that unity. And that we're to forgive one another just as... Christ and God forgave us. How many times I've grieved you? How many times I've sinned against you? How many times I've walked in disobedience with you? How many times I've been welled up with pride or, or done things that are not pleasing in your sight? And yet I'm grateful when I receive grace and mercy and forgiveness. Lord, forgive me when I don't extend that to others. Lord, let us be a loving family that regardless of the wounds that are inflicted, that we recognize it's usually never the person, but it's the principality behind them. And so, Lord, help us to treat one another with the love of Christ, to be willing not to walk away, but to stay, because we recognize this is my family, and they love me. And so, Lord, let that love permeate as we move throughout this new year. Thank you for the time and your word this morning. Lord, thank you for this congregation. Thank you for those that were visiting with us today and for the extra time, uh, the grace shown in allowing me to go just a little bit more to the end of this section. Lord, go with us now as we leave here. May we go in your power, in your strength, for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't forget, tonight we have uh, Sunday School. I uh, invite you back for that. And also, keep your calendars marked. Super Bowl coming up this weekend. Bring some friends and flag football, co-ed out in the field. Going to be awesome. Uh, just uh, We'll have Ivy on standby if we have any injuries. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, come on out and join us. It'll be a great time. Looking forward to it. Invite some folks. Don't forget the worship seminar this weekend. Hope to see you. Have a blessed day.